Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Drew View. In today's show, I'm going to be talking about what happened at Nashville and my thoughts on that, my thoughts on what happened to the Rand Paul staffer, and then I'm going to be talking about the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, and I'm going to be giving you my thoughts on that. I apologize if I'm not as enthusiastic as normal. I'm going to be giving you my raw opinions on these things. It's just been such a sad couple of days in the news lately, so my apologies if I'm not as enthusiastic as normal. I'm Drew Bennett, and you're listening to The Drew View. Alrighty, folks, thanks for coming back for another episode. Now, the first story today is it's really not something that I want to talk about. It's really an unfortunate, unfortunate situation that happened, and I'm still trying to collect all my thoughts on it. And it's it's just so sad when we see what happened in Nashville. Uh, we had three school administrators, three staff members uh, shot and killed, and three elementary students that were also killed. The one thing I do want to say to start off with is the officers that responded to this incident did an incredible job. I know this is obviously not something that anybody wants to go through, any officer wants to have to deal with, but the way that they acted, the way that they were kind of calm and collected, but that they also used kind of their knowledge and they knew kind of what to do. They weren't acting crazy. They weren't, you know, you just compare it with what happens in a situation like what was the one that happened in Texas and Uvalde, you just compare the situations and so many lives were saved because of the way that the police officers acted in the situation. So I really just want to commend them and give them the credit that they deserve because it's really awesome with what they were able to do. And it really just goes to show that we do not need to defund our police officers. I don't know if I need to say that louder, but we do not need to defund our police officers. They might not be perfect, but they save lives and they save lives in situations that are unthinkable they save lives with their training they these officers you could tell were trained very well compared to uh, some of the other situations that we've seen where officers you can tell obviously weren't trained well for these situations but the last thing that we need to be doing is defunding our police we need to be funding them even more so they can have more training and know how to do their job to the best of their abilities because what they did in Nashville was very amazing. Now, the most unfortunate part about this and something that bothers me to no end is that we cannot just grieve over a tragedy that occurs. We have to immediately, the second after it happens, we have to get political with it. And I understand where people are coming from, the frustration and the emotions that come from that. But the fact that uh, people get uh, upset that others talk about how they're praying for and thinking about these communities. The fact that that upsets people is just beyond me. Yes, we need to take time and pray for the victims of these horrible, horrible incidents, and we need to send our thoughts their way. I don't think that there is any problem with that. People say that, oh, yeah, nothing's getting done, oh, whatever. Shut up. These people. Some of these people just lost their kids. They sent their kids to school expecting for them to come home, not expecting for them to get shot. And you expect them to jump right off. Forget about grieving their kids. Don't pray. You're at a Christian school. Don't pray. Don't think about them. All you need to do is gun control, gun control, gun control. Stop. 
Give these people time to grieve. Give them the space that they need. Yes, we can have the conversations about gun control. We can have the conversations about this or that. But what we don't need to do is immediately turn these people's tragedy into something political. It's, I swear, that's become the new, like, uh, motto of politicians these days is never let any good tragedy go to waste. Oh, we have to use any any time somebody's murdered or any time that there's a pandemic, we have to use that and we have to make sure we get a political gain from that. Like, what is wrong with you people? Are you sick? I mean, I know I sound very frustrated, but it's just like these families have to be like, I could only imagine if I lost my, uh, you know, son or daughter, my, my younger sibling or anything like that, if I lost someone close to me and all that I would hear people talking about, not about, uh, you know, making sure that those people are honored, but all the people care about talking about is advancing their political agendas. It's like, you are, oh, like that, it just gives me chills that people can, can totally forget about, take all the humanity out of the situation and just immediately move to politics, dirty, nasty politics. That is what bugs me more than anything. So I understand that people are probably not going to agree with me on that, but we do need to take time and pray for these people and think about these people before we turn this tragedy into a political gain for our party. That's not what these tragedies should be about, and that's not what they should be remembered for, is how uh, people engage in political hate over and over and over about things that we have been trying to deal with over and over and over again. And, you know, I have my own thoughts on the whole political side of it, but I don't think that's what we need to spend our time doing is spend our time going over how much that our political party can gain from the situation, how much we're going to use it to hate on another political party or uh, scream and yell and whine at another political party. I'll save that for when it's time. But right now, I want to send my thoughts and prayers to the families in Tennessee and Nashville know that there are some people out there who are thinking about you and aren't thinking about their next political move and how they're going to use your tragedy as their next political, just another thing to add to their political fire, just kerosene on their political fire. That is not what I'm going to do here. I have my own thoughts on how I believe that this should be classified as a hate crime and how there are different things that weigh into the situation politically, but that's not what I'm going to be getting into today because I don't think it's the time or the place to be engaging in this political nonsense when we have such a horrid situation that occurred. The next story I want to talk about is something that I read this and I was like, holy crap, it was kind of a crazy story. And that was an aide to Senator Rand Paul was stabbed after leaving a Washington restaurant. So I'm just going to read a little bit of this article from the New York Times. It says the suspect, Glenn maybe that's how you say Glenn Neal, 42 of Southeast DC was arrested and charged with assault with intent to kill a felony. He's also being held without bond. Uh, in 2011, Mr. Neal was convicted of pandering and making threats to kidnap among other charges. And he had been released from federal prison on Friday. So he had been released from federal prison 24 hours earlier than this stabbing occurred. Uh, the staff member was uh, not identified by Rand Paul's office, told officers that he didn't know the asylum. It was, you know, some random person. And it's just interesting to me because it, it was so random. Like, it, it just says here that the victim was 
walking with a friend in the 1300 block of H Street Northeast after leaving a Mexican restaurant when Mr. Neal jumped out from behind a wall and started stabbing the staff member, according to charging documents. So it just, it's really interesting to me. Some of these details, like, did the person know that they were a Rand Paul staffer and were they specifically targeting this person? Were they just trying to stab someone? Like, it said that there was, they didn't demand anything of him, anything like that. And and you would think, like, who would want to stab a staff member? Like, they're not, they're just, they're just kind of hanging out. They, they aren't really responsible for anything. They just kind of work for the senator. It's not like they have, you know, any ties. They don't really make any of the decisions, anything like that. It's, it's just really, uh, I really don't understand it. Why, if this was intentional for this person specifically, why they chose this person. Thankfully, it sounds like they might live. Um, you know, they suffered some wounds to their, sounds like their head and their torso and possibly like their lung. But it sounds like, thankfully, that they're going to be okay. It's just crazy to me. Like, I, I guess I don't have enough details. None of the articles I've gone through says whether or not this was like a specific attack for this person or whether it was just random. It's just very preposterous. Obviously, they just got out of jail. They're a career criminal now, but it'll be interesting to see what more comes out about this. Kind of shifting gears a little bit here, I want to talk about the, I think he his official title is like Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Mr. Mayorkas. It's, man, I tell you what, this guy is, he is a treat. Uh, so, you know, they have these situations where they have to testify before Congress and they have to answer questions, these different secretaries and stuff, if they're called upon by Congress to answer these different questions about really anything related to what they do. And obviously, the Department of Homeland Security, they're going to, you know, he's going to be questioned a lot about the border and what's going on with border crisis and things like that. Let me tell you, listening to some of his testimony, The guy is, I I don't know how he still has a job. It is beyond me that he is still employed, that he still has a job, that he hasn't been impeached. It is insane. They will ask him simple questions. I was listening to a couple senators. They ask him, is there a crisis at our southern border? Well, Senator, there is a severe challenge at our southern border. Shut up. There is a crisis. Do not sit here and with your words. Oh, there's a severe challenge. It's a crisis. Okay. You can just say yes. They ask anyone else dealing with border security, homeland security, anything like that. Ask anyone, is there a problem with, or is there a crisis at our southern border? Unequivocally, the answer is yes. He can't give a yes or no answer. He has to play politics and dance around the question. Oh, well, Senator, there is a very severe crisis at our southern border. You know, all of these different senators, they're obviously they're saying it to be facetious and stuff, but they are asking basic questions. Is there a crisis at our southern border? And the fact that you can't give a yes or no answer is just outrageous. They'll ask him some other question and he'll go on this long luxury spiel. And, you know, that's obviously what they're told to do. Like, um, you know, stonewall, filibuster, whatever they do when they ask a question, go on some long rampage, some long rant about something that is totally irrelevant. And that's what they do. Like, they'll ask him uh, how many murderers have been released into the country. 
That is precisely why we are working on that's not a number. We want a number. How many people, how many murderers have been released into the country? Well, you see, that is exactly why we're working on stop. Answer the question. That is one of the things that is so irritating to me is when we have people like him that just will not answer straight up questions. And when there's something as serious as what's going on with our southern border, we need direct answers. And I don't know how he still has a job. I don't think he should still have a job. I think that it's time that we find someone more capable of handling the crisis and working with our homeland security. They also ask him different questions related to TikTok and things like that. And again, he just refuses to answer these these basic questions. I, I would recommend that you go to some of these different things and watch some of the hearings with him and how he just sits there and they'll ask a question. And obviously they're they're going to interrupt him when he's in the middle of some spiel because they want either a yes or no answer or a number or something like that. They don't want him to go on some long rampage. They have 12 minutes. And what he wants to do is take up those 12 minutes talking about all the great things that he's done. He doesn't want to focus on any of the negatives or any of the drawbacks of his policies. And I would just urge you to go and watch some of uh, the testimony with him and any Republican senator honestly questioning him. I've not really watched any of the Democratic senators questioning him because I'm sure they're not like real tough questions. I'm sure they're just, you know, softballs because Republicans do the same thing when there's someone on their side. They're not going to ask him real tough questions. But, you know, when you have Mayorkas up there and they're asking him questions, the fact that he cannot answer the most basic, basic questions is just it shows his incompetency and it shows that he should not have a job. All right, now it is Wednesday. I'm going to do our Weird Fact Wednesday. And you know what? This is, oh my gosh, I'm just now thinking about this. But on Monday, I didn't do my question of the day again. Holy crap. I keep, I'm slacking, guys. I am slacking. I'm on vacation and my mind is just, I mean, it's gone off the deep end. Holy crap. Well, I'm going to be doing the question of the day on Thursday then. My apologies. Uh, Anyway, it just made me think of that because I'm going to do my Weird Fact Wednesday right now and that is the weird fact of the day sloths can hold their breath longer than dolphins can so dolphins they have to come up for air about uh, you know after about 10 minutes sloths when they slow their heart rate they can hold their breath for up to 40 minutes so that is something i bet that you didn't know and that i didn't know until right about now All right, that's going to do it for me today, guys. I'm going to end with my closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day that you've given us. I really, Father, just want to pray for the people of Nashville that were affected by this horrible tragedy. Father, just be with their families, be with the community that's hurting, be with the friends, everyone around them. Just give them comfort, give them peace, knowing that you are God and you do have a plan in store for them. And I know, Father, that they're they're hurting, they're struggling, they're looking for answers in the midst of this horrible, horrible tragedy, and just help our world to see that we need you now more than ever before. Father, I just pray that people come to that realization. Uh, I pray that you give me the wisdom that to just say what you want me to say, Father. And I ask that you just let those words be the words that my listeners hear. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for sticking with me for another episode. I will have that question of the day for you tomorrow. I apologize for not having that to you Monday. But anyway, guys, I hope to see you back here tomorrow. We're going to do some throwback Thursday. I'm going to talk to you guys about some history. And until then, stay blessed.